0: Listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences that so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teachers podcast. As always, I've got a real treat for you guys. And if you recall, Maybe a couple episodes ago, we had someone really, really amazing, Johnny from Build a Music Squad. And that was probably one of my favorite interviews so far. And whenever I interview awesome people, I always like to ask them if they know any other awesome people who can be on the podcast. So today's guest comes with a very high recommendation, and that is Nick Tucker from the Spark School of Music and Dance. Nick, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It's such a treat to uh, get to sit here and talk with you.
0: Yeah, it's such a pleasure to have you on. And and it's I say this a couple of times during my introductions, there really is no better job than getting to interview yourself and all these amazing people and connect with like-minded musicians, music teachers, music school owners, and try and take the knowledge from the people who are up here and uh, a couple of steps ahead and use that knowledge to help the people who are just getting started or are stuck with their problems or a bit lost in their journey. So Nick, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. I love it. Now, can you give our listeners a brief overview of your journey so far and where you're at with everything?
1: Yeah, I'll try and keep it as brief as humanly possible. So like so many music teachers, I started teaching drum lessons out of my basement and it was really out of... I, I got five Hired from another music school that I was teaching at. And it was a desperation moment for us. Um, I was getting married five days after I got fired. We had closed on our house 20 days prior to that. Uh, There was just so many life changes that were happening. And then I lost my job. And so I immediately went into sort of fight or flight and started teaching drum lessons from the basement in my home. And in 2016, We welcomed our my wife and I welcomed our oldest daughter into the world. And the first thing she said to me prior to her being born was, listen, I love you. I love these drums, but they're not going to be in this house with a sleeping baby. So you got to go somewhere else and do this thing. So I took my little drum set and I went and I found a really small commercial location. It was probably 600 feet, um, you know, uh, 600 square feet. And uh, as we're in there, within a couple of weeks, it feels lonely. You know, it doesn't feel like home to me. And so I call up a buddy and who's a construction guy. And I said, hey, I got a, I got this room. Would you mind putting two doors or two walls in this building? And I think I want to just invite somebody else to come in here and teach. And it was really just a sense of community for me. Like I needed other people to be around me. And so at that time, I was teaching, I don't know, probably 30 kids. And I hired this guy and he was teaching guitar lessons in there. And within about six to nine months, we had grown to 60 students. And I was like, wait a second. We might be on something here. And so all of a sudden, this building across the street at the same time goes up for lease. And it's... 1300 square feet so it's double the size that we're in but we're able to to maneuver the whole building in a way that's going to allow us to build seven lesson rooms so we go in and we go all in we pull all of our money out of our retirement we pull everything out like we my wife and i take everything and we are depleted and we go we're all in Let's see what happens. And so now we're one year since we've been into our first commercial location, and we opened that with like seventy students or so. And after about a year, now our youngest daughter is being brought into the world, and uh, so now we're in 2018, and we're realizing, like, man, we are we we may be in over our heads at this time. We have probably you know, 100, 115 students, something like that. And so we are absolutely scrambling to try and make this rent happen. And it was at this time that you mentioned Johnny. I was one of the almost first members ever to work with him. And so I joined Build a Music School with 130 students. And at that time, it was wild. For us, because it gave me so much clarity and so much more business direction on it. And instead of you living in this constant fear of like, how are we going to make this work? All of a sudden, we just saw our business start to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And in 2019, we were just in this exceptional space now and we were continuing to grow. And so we said, well, since we've done this, let's go open a second location. And so we found this other building and we opened that building or that second location in February of 2020, which if you can imagine 45 days later, the whole world shuts down. And so we had bought, and that was the other aspect is we had, this was, we had purchased this commercial building. So now we were, we owned this commercial property. This was no longer a lease and COVID hits. And we had just gotten to a point right before COVID hit where we within that first 45 days where we were breaking even on that location and we were like so blown away to only lose it all virtually overnight and so in 2020 we started that process of you know just trying to rebuild and rebuild and rebuild just like everybody else was and and eventually, we started growing that location again as people got more and more comfortable of coming out of the woodworks and being together and being in person and whatnot. And in 2022 was when we, our lease had expired on that 1,300-square-foot building. And when that lease expired, we said, we're no longer in the business of renting. We want to be a company that's in the business of owning. Because we want to be in charge of our own destiny. We want to be in charge of, you know, whatever happens. And we don't want some other person to go, hey, it's been five years. Get out of the building. So we moved locations and we uh, in, now we're in a 3,000 square foot space. So now it's three times the the space that we're currently in. And we sat down with an architect and we drew out all the plans and it was like 14 lesson rooms and all this stuff. And uh, I will vividly, I so vividly remember this day. Uh, my, I, I woke up and I thought to myself, we should take out four of these lesson rooms and build a dance school in here too. Because if our whole mission is like connecting kids and building community and, you know, giving kids the opportunity to explore the creative arts all together, well then, at some point, we may cap ourselves with music. So let's, Let's diversify. Let's become a a, a hub where people, where kids can come to explore their creativity. So, in 2022 is when we opened the Spark School of Music and Dance version of what we are doing. And so, since that you know 2016, where we had it was me teaching drum lessons uh, at 30 students, we have gotten all the way up to 500 students. In you know. 7 years or so. And it's been an absolute crazy journey and I the the reason why I I I love our story and maybe that sounds selfish is that within all of that it it's this idea of I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. I you know, I need to be constantly eyes up, ears up, listening and exploring and hearing from other people to help grow. And I, as I say to our team all the time, we're better together, and we always need each other. And so that's how we got here.
0: That's an amazing story, and and to go from humble beginnings, teaching from home, which I think uh, many of us cut our teeth that way, right up to five hundred students and navigating the pandemic is some really amazing stuff. And I would have to say you're probably one of the first combination of music and dance schools that I've come across. I've come across plenty of music schools, I've come across plenty of dance schools, but rarely have I seen. Anyone attempt the two, let alone uh, by all accounts and and views look like they've pulled it off. So, what have you noticed? uh, And maybe I, I should back up a step and say, do you kind of target different differently? Do you like market to music students and then market to dance students, or do you have like a creative program that sort of mixes both together, or gives people the choice to to start off in one path and cross over to the other? What's your sort of setup when it comes to this dance school being incorporated into music school?
1: Yeah. So, so really at the core of it, we do for the most part, they're separate. So we spend, you know, like if we're talking advertising, right? Email marketing versus, you know, Facebook ads and stuff, we'll run, we'll run dance ads and we'll run music ads and we run them separately. Within that though, we have, you know, we, we want to cross pollinate. So we want to take some music students and if they're interested in exploring dance, Well, then now they all of a sudden have the ability to be in the same building. You know, it's a safe, comfortable space that they're used to. Parents are familiar with it and they're able to come over and go, oh, hey, maybe I do want to try dance for a little bit. And so we have some students who do both. But for the most part, you know, we see I I would say a good majority of them are doing either one or the other. But what we'll also see as kids who will leave doing music to jump over to dance or who start doing dance and then jump over to music. But from a general marketing standpoint, we start with them sort of in their own pillars. Fantastic. And has there been anything standing out
0: as, wow, dance students are like this and music students are like this. And has there been anything you've learned from running a dance school, which you've then taken back to your music school?
1: Yeah. So you know, the, we were very intentional early on. We had lots of conversations with other dance schools prior to us opening ours, where we would have conversations and go, well, tell me more about the the parents. Like who, like, who do you serve and whatnot? And we kept hearing, uh, there's a show called dance moms here, honey, boo, boo, which everybody (laughs) is like, you know, honey, boo, boo. Right. And everybody's like, Oh, there's the crazy dance moms. And we set out, Early on, and we, you know, we've we've established really like what is as a company, as Spark School of Music and Dance, what is our mission? What are our values like to our core? What do we believe in? And our belief is in loving kids well and teaching them to be leaders in the community. And so what we've done is instead of running a dance program that a lot of dance schools do. Where they have this like highly competitive program, right? Well, we'll start, we'll start you out at recreational, but really what we're trying to do is push you, push you, push you, push you, push you, push you until you get to the point where you're in this like competitive program and you're like going around the US and going to all these dance competitions and whatnot. And and that is where we hear about the most amount of drama from parents. And so what we did is we said, what do we love about our music parents? Well, we love this like laid back vibe they've got, you know, we're like, there's, there's, we." they obviously have high expectations of us because, you know, we've consistently delivered like this high quality product, but, you know, they're, they're not expecting this like crazy in your face. Like, I can't believe you did this. Um, And so what you get with the dance parents. So what we recognize was, well, what if, just what if we said we're only going to offer a rec- recreational program that just goes, hey, our whole mission is just to get kids excited about dance, teach them some fun steps, get them you know the exercise that they're looking for, really express their creativity. But let's not push them to the, the competitive side. If they wanted to go to a competitive side, legitimately, there's a place a mile down the road from us. We'll send them there. But let's just create this laid-back recreational feel with our music or with our dance students. And so we were so intentional about that early on that we personally have not experienced the difference of like crazy honey boo boo mama and you know a a chill laid-back music parent.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I I sort of was going to ask certain questions and interject there, but you got this wonderful way of almost setting up a question or sparking some thought and then answering it. But to share a a story of mine, I mentioned just before we went live, that I used to go to the US once a year. And around about 2017 or 2018, this guitar playing event I was going to in Chicago, uh, the same hotel, they had this like dance competition. So there was just hundreds of these little honey boo boo kids running around, (laughs) all dressed up. And then hundreds of their, like, drama mums, like, running around. And it was, like, just really bizarre to sit and watch, like, the death stares different parents would be, like, if a really, you know, uh, attractive-looking, i got to word this carefully, but a girl who would grow up to be a very pretty young lady <laughs> um, with her dance mum, if any attractive-looking person walked past – a similarly attractive-looking person, just the death stares you would get from the parents. <laughs> it was like it, it was just like a whole environment of envy and and malice, and oh, no one's better than my child. And it was just like you had all these really excited young kids who were so full of uh, energy for this competition and winning and having fun and being on this exciting trip. And it was really brought down by this just poison in the air from all these mums <laughs> who were just staring daggers at each other yeah. the whole time.
1: And we, and, and, I mean, you get this with music school, like with music parents do. Like, don't get me wrong. Our first year, our first season, we for sure had some parents that that challenged us, right? I mean, but you're going to get that in a music school. But at its core, that's where I'm like, we knew who we wanted to be and why we wanted to be there and like what we wanted to be fostering and creating within these kids. And uh, if that didn't align, if we didn't align with their values, then we're like, that's totally fine. Well then, but just go to this other place. They might be a better fit for you.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really important just to hear the confidence at which you say that, just say, this is what we do. And these are the kind of people that we teach. And every now and then, because primarily I do group lessons and you get parents saying, but we want private lessons or aren't private lessons better. And I'll just be saying, well, I don't believe they are. And if you look at all the results we get for our students, they're indicative of the fact that what we're doing, our group lessons are definitely better than the average guitar teacher's private lessons. But if you want to challenge me on it, you're more welcome to go somewhere else. So uh, I was going to ask, do you lose many people start looking for the competitive kind of music school?
1: You know, that's a great question. And uh, we're, so the, the music or the dance thing is so new to us that I can't give you a, an, an honest answer on that yet, but we are, I think so what's so important about all of it is communication. And so just from a, straight out the get-go, that's the conversation that we're having with parents is like, Hey, here's the things that we care about. We care about kids having fun. We care about inclusivity. We care about, you know, but like, you know, kids loving their own body, like whatever it is, you know, we're not going to be dolling your kids up and makeup and all this sort of stuff. We're not going to be doing all these crazy hairstyles and everything. That's not who we are. And so, like, day one of when they come in, they get an entire thing from us that's like, hey, if this is what you're looking for, we're not at the right place.
0: Yeah. And I imagine that would deter all the people it needs to deter. And there might be a few people on the fence, but for all the other things you've said, it, it attracts them like a magnet. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Like I could ask you so many questions about these, uh, the dance. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it the dance school podcast because it's just it's such yes! an interesting case. <laughs> but uh, I've noticed you do teach adult students uh, and... I don't know whether you advertise them, but there is a space on your website, but what sort of led you in the direction to frame most of your website, or at least from what I can visibly see when I'm doing a bit of research for this podcast around kids and should other music teachers do the same?
1: Yeah, great question. So re- really at the core of it, there's two things. And and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I don't think there's one thing that somebody should be doing or, you know, like somebody should only teach adults or somebody should only teach kids. Uh, if we go back to that idea of like uh, core values, right? Like if you know what the mission of, of your school is or what your teaching principles are, then at the core, you should be able to establish that. So for us, you know, the first thing that we looked at is we said, well, why do we exist? Well, we exist to impact the lives of kids in our community and teach them to be leaders. And so, if our job is to impact the lives of kids in our community, well, then we should be marketing to kids in our community. And those are the kids we should be attracting. Now, with that being said, we, all, we also want to we love the idea of adults being able to come in, and, you know for we have like a, a retired Minneapolis police officer who comes in and he's trying to learn guitar. He's like, "I always wanted to do this, but I never got the opportunity." And I don't want to push him away from being able to experience that. But at our core, you know, we care about impacting the lives of kids in our community. So that's where we focus on, you know, the the benefit that I see in that and our our sort of North star within that as well, from if you want to talk like a business or financial standpoint, is that what we saw was that kids had a higher retention rate than adults did. Because a lot of times you have is you've got a 40-year-old who's working their business job, and all of a sudden they realize, oh, well, I'm gonna start traveling for business all the time. So now I'm gonna leave within three months, or uh, oh, I don't have enough. I thought I was gonna have all this time to practice, but I've got a five and a seven-year-old who are screaming at me every night. And by the time seven o'clock hits, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> and so there's like all these other things that we had, you know, we had seen um that were happening with adults. Now you do get the sports, you you get similar things with kids. And that's where I think it's so important for us to be able to focus on like what is the core mission and the value of your teaching?
0: That's a, a mic drop moment. <laughs> really, really <laughs> amazing stuff coming out from there. And yeah, it can be really interesting because adults, when you get an adult who has a really specific problem and they they want that solved, then they can become those, you know, two year, three year, five year clients because the guitar's their thing. But as you sort of mentioned, uh, and what I say to my coaching clients is for 90% of adults, guitar or whatever instrument they're learning is really priority number 15 on their list. They'd love to be able to do it, but the, the money, the job, the bills, the kids, all these other things stack up. And uh, guitar is always pushed one step closer to the chopping block. If something changes in their schedule and they need to make that happen there. So yeah, unfortunately adults can be really good students, but the majority of them, you know, if they wanted to learn guitar, they would have done it a number of years ago and they wouldn't be putting right. in the cracks.
1: And I think some of that too, I'll go on a little bit of a tangent here, but I, I wonder if, and I don't, this is me wondering, not actually saying we've implemented this, but like, I wonder if there's even some version of being able to provide more value if it's just, if it's a model problem. So like right now, historically, the model that we have is you come in for a weekly lesson and you come in for your 30, 45, 60 minute lesson, whatever it is, whether it's group or it's private, you come in for that. Well, adults go, well, I don't have all the time to be able to commit to that. And so what if what if the deal is, hey, I've created this entire online guitar teaching course over here. And so you're going to have 100 percent access to this guitar teaching course. And then once a month or twice a month, we're going to connect and we're going to do a 30 or 45 minute lesson where now we're able to connect over here and we're able to sort of deep dive into the stuff that you're doing. And then maybe, you know, on the other two weeks, uh, I'll give you a, a, we have like a, you know, a, a WhatsApp or a Vox chat where we can chat for a little bit. And so now, you know, you'll have access to that. And it's not necessarily a problem with the whole, the fact that it's an adult student, but it's uh. How can we cater a model that serves the people that we want to serve?
0: Yeah, I think that's a very, very cool idea to explore. A little little insight for our listeners is with some of my really advanced students and let's say the serious players, they don't have to be technically proficient at this point in time, but the people who are serious enough to be already proactively looking for ways to improve their playing, they work really well with a model where we have a once a month check-in kind of lesson and I give them just a framework to work towards where it's like, uh, he's, I call it my pathway, the advancing guitarist. So we sort of drop them in one end and they come out the other end. And the way I think about it, have you seen the TV show dancing with the stars? Yes. Well, at least you know of it. So if anyone watches the first episode or the first week of dancing with the stars, it's really obvious who the pros are and who the celebrities are. And then every week, (laughs) they work for a couple of hours, they do this intensive training, they learn the concepts, they learn the dances. And three or four weeks, there's big improvement, but you can still clearly see who's who. When you get to the last couple of weeks, weeks 10, 11, 12, a whole bunch of people have dropped off and only the best are still left. But it's actually really hard to see the difference between who the pro is and who the celebrity is. Because from this immersion training, and I I love this word immersion, because if we actually immerse our students, and and I do this a lot with the adult students, I say, hey, if you're doing one lesson once a week, it's going to take five years to get to this point. But if you do four or five lessons a week, or let's just say three times a year, we do a a two-day, three-day boot camp, and we just smash through all this stuff, and then you have the 12 weeks to work on it, what actually happens is you condense time. You take all this knowledge and these concepts and rather than drip feed them over this period, we just condense the amount of time it takes you to learn these things and start working on them. And what I found with this immersion-style training and the more experienced students is we're able to get them to that week 12 point where it's really hard to tell the difference between the pro and the uh, the the celebrity there, so it's almost like um, Dancing with the Stars format is like the the success factory or the the rock star factory. So you drop them in. What are they saying? Chicken run? Chickens go in, pies come out. I always use that analogy. I say, you know, average <laughs> Joe's average Joes come in, shredding pros go out. So we sort of. Oh, I love weeks. that. <laughs> so <laughs> that that model works really well with people who are already disciplined enough or into guitar enough to be proactively playing, and a lot of these people. They, um, you drop them in one end and you check in one once a month. So, over three months, you see them three times for an in-person lesson or an online lesson. But I can log into their account and I can see that you know they've watched all the videos and they've done things. You take your average adult beginner and do that. They're there for the accountability. So, they're coming in because they need someone to hold their hand. They need someone to dumb it down. And I'll always say this, a lot of people come to lessons not because they want to learn guitars, because they want the human connection or they want to look impressive for someone so you really do have to put your finger on why is this person here and how does my uh being with me help facilitate what they're after so i think going back to what you do with your dance school having certain marketing will attract certain kinds of people uh if you're uh, you know the the badass michael gumley shredding guitar school academy we when that was my marketing i had a whole bunch of like you know uh 30 to 65 year old heavy metal hard rock blues guys that just wanted to learn how to shred. And it was so awesome because all we did every lesson was just really advanced stuff. And then um, now we sort of knowing that there's more beginners out there than there are intermediate plays. We do a lot more marketing for the beginners, but yeah, it, it all really just comes down to who are you marketing for and how your program structured to set them up and how are going to end up teaching? So yes, we've got different ads for kids, different ads for adults. We get different kind of people, but we kind of, Do really? You probably do the same thing. We don't get a lot of dropkick customers or flaky people because our marketing kind of repels some of those people. Hey there, guys. It's Michael here with a quick message from Top Music. Are you a passionate guitar teacher looking for tips to make lessons more fun and engaging for your students? Maybe you're struggling to grow your business and need help getting more students to take lessons with you. Maybe you're a guitar player who wants to get out of a day job and make music your full-time gig with some teaching on the site. If you found yourself saying yes, then look no further than a membership with us at Top Music Guitar. Top Music is a place music teachers can come together from all over the world to share ideas, develop both their teaching skills and their business knowledge, and receive advice from industry experts. You'll get access to over 20 courses for guitar teachers and a host of general music teaching resources that will help you have a bigger impact on your students, teach better lessons and of course, make you more money. For less than the price of what you charge for a private lesson, $49 per month, you'll get access to everything you need to bring your studio to life and become the best teacher you can be. Join now at www.topmusicguitar.com. Now, back to the podcast.
1: Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And to go back to what you're saying, you know, uh, like that idea of, you know, your badass guitar shred academy. Right. I I look at uh, and I know nothing about guitar. So pardon me if I'm like totally messing this up. But I look at like like Steve Vai is probably not interested in teaching a five year old in how to play guitar. Steve Vai is interested in teaching a bunch of adults how to shred on guitar. Right, and so it's the, it's that sort of thing we' like that's his value that at, at the core that's what he cares about. The world needs him to be able to do that, just like the world needs me and you you know, to be able to embrace the the young kids to prepare them so that by the time they're adults, Steve Vai can take over and kick ass.
0: one hundred percent, or if you employ multiple teachers, you get uh, a little natural student progression, so uh, because I, I coach people as well, I get people say, oh, I don't want to teach kids or." Other people saying, I, I you know, I only want to do adults or I only want to do kids because I'm intimidated by other adults. And there is no right or wrong answer. Ultimately, it's your business and do what you want to do. But I'm just a big advocate of if you want to be a really great teacher, you need to be able to help everyone. You don't have to help everyone, but at least yep. have the ability to help everyone. If you just want to specialize with you know, heavy metal guys because that's what you love and enjoy, then just go and find that. And that's what's going to make you happy. Um, I believe kids is always going to be the biggest market and um, there's always going to be new beginners every year, as opposed to experienced players is less and less of every single year. And totally. that's almost like a, a financially driven decision, but you know, I love teaching kids. They're just so much fun. I, I, I can be very serious at times, but when I'm teaching kids, I'm just a big goof and, and have fun with them that way. So, And the funny thing is when I teach 45 to 60-year-old males, it's almost the same thing. <laughs> I say I teach the yes. same avatar, two, two different age spectrums. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. But I, I do want to ask you, how did you go about growing your school? Because you obviously went from 30 to 60 to a second location and now 500 students. So what are some marketing tips and and music school growth tips you could share with us
1: yeah so i think you know the the first thing that really helped us soar and given i want to preface it with this this was 2018 this would have been august of 2018 so i mean the world's a different place now but uh facebook ads in 2018 I, so that was the year that our second daughter was born, um, actually a month, but we started this campaign a month before our second daughter was born. And I was in the hospital with my holding my, my now youngest daughter. And, um, like my wife could see the just stress in my face of all the people that we had to call who were, who were generating all these Facebook leads. And she said to me, she said, why don't you just go home? And why don't you just take care and do all these phone calls that you need to do, do four hours of them and then come back. And so I literally left my wife in the hospital with a newborn baby to go and make phone calls. And so this was that we were just like crushing, absolutely crushing Facebook ads at this time. Uh, so we ran those for you know several years. And then when COVID hit, I did what a lot of people did. And I all of a sudden I got down on myself and I was like, shoot, you know, uh, what are we going to do? I can't, you know, I'm hoping we can just stick it out and make it through the whole thing. And in September of that of 2020, uh, I had a business mentor uh, say to me, you're just using COVID as an excuse to not grow. You need to get over it. Stop using it as an excuse and do something about it. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I started Facebook ads and couldn't get Facebook ads to work. And instead of this time going, well, Facebook ads don't work. So I guess I'll just have to sit here again. I switched to email marketing. And at this time, I we over the course of 30 days, I think we added 60 new students just by email marketing. And so at our core, you know, the big ones that we're doing are your, your well now meta, right? Your Facebook, Instagram ads, those sorts of things. And the reason why I use those platforms is because those are the ones that I personally interact with the most. You know, I think that I think that other platforms would work great, but that's the one that I'm most comfortable on. And then the the next thing that we've been doing is just doing Facebook or um. Uh, email marketing and so we do lots of email marketing with uh we do one to two text messages a month as well and so that's just helped us consistently scale up over and over and over and over, and over again yeah i think that's out
0: of all the really cool things you've said there having a mentor tell you that hey cover is just an excuse uh really resonates with me. And and uh, even something, uh, I recently watched a video with a guy called Alex Hall-Mosey saying he coached gym clients and a whole bunch of people were just like, oh, I can't do anything for COVID. And it's just like, what are you doing waving the flag? And I know for me, I'd just gotten back from the US uh, in February, twenty, like the last couple of days of February, I went to Grant Cardone's 10X Growth Conference. And I was all hyped up, ready to like smash my business. And then COVID hit and our government was saying, you can't do business, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I was like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm ready to go. So, we, <laughs> dropped, <laughs> we dropped 30% of our students like overnight. As soon as they said they were doing a lockdown, like people just who were scared, just completely freaked out and were like, oh, yeah, I, I'm either losing my job or I'm stuck at home. I just got to stop the guitar lesson. So, 30, almost 33% of our students overnight just paused their membership or canceled their membership. And I was just like, no, I have a duty to myself to make this business successful. I've got a duty to all my staff and my team members to make this business successful. And I'm literally not going to let anyone you know, starve or go hungry or, or not be able to work. So we almost 2 weeks prior, because we could kind of see it was going towards a lockdown, preemptively switched to it and got a 2-week head start on all the online stuff, ironed out all the kinks. And then just, I literally just said, hey guys, if you've lost your job, if you're stuck at home with nothing to do, if your guitar teacher or music school has shut down, we are running free lessons. And for the first month, I just made lessons free and we had something like 120 or something people sign up for these free lessons with us. And at the end of the month, I just said, all right, you've had a free month worth of lessons. Um, If you'd like to uh, keep on going because the lockdown at that point, two weeks to flatten the curve. They uh, said, we're just going to have another two weeks of lockdown. And then um, I said, okay, guys, if you really enjoyed this, we'll make it free for two more weeks. After that, we'll do a special half-price COVID deal for you. And then two weeks, long story short, turned into another 18 months here in Australia, the most lockdown city in the world. But the 120 people that came in for free, Ended up, not all of them wanted to go past that first, you know, not uh, maybe about 80% lasted the full month. But beyond that, the amount of people that signed up for the half price membership was more than the, the amount of quitters we had in day one of COVID. So within six to eight weeks of COVID, we were already in a better position than we were going into COVID. So, big part of that, I would say, is just having like, Someone like Grant Cardone is a a business mentor who hyped me up so much that I wasn't willing to accept the reality that, hey, my government's saying you can't do this. And I just said, well, if you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you can't go around it, you're just going to go through it. So we just pivoted, adjusted and came out of COVID. Um, I was very happy. We had 10 team members. The only person I had to let go, unfortunately, was literally uh, a new admin, which she started about seven days before the lockdown. And I just said, ah, you know what? We don't have all this admin work that needs doing anymore. So we only had one casualty out of 10 team members. And as soon as lockdowns were done, no, she was straight back to working for us. So um, that was my goal was not to let any of my staff down, not, not to let any of my students down. And although financially, you know, it wasn't as great because because of the business growth and I say this to brag, not to complain, but because we actually grew in COVID, We didn't get any of the subsidies or the government handouts, and I didn't want them anyway, but I still had to pay a full month's, a full 18 months' rent on a facility that we could use for about three, four weeks for that whole 18 month period of not being locked down. So yeah, like if we didn't have to pay almost $40,000 rent during that period because we, we didn't qualify. It would have been a very, very good outcome, but we just, you know, we won in spirit. We didn't win financially on the board, but our student numbers <laughs> and the goodwill we got with everyone was was really, really great from that period. That's amazing. Yeah. And if you're listening at home, that, that's, that's my advice is if you want to grow a business, if you want to be a rock star, whatever your dream is, just commit to it wholeheartedly. And they say the uh, the river always beats the stone as long as you're chipping away at it as long as you're always progressing as long as you're always taking consistent action towards your goal nothing can you can stop you whether that's just like you know temporary setbacks along the way whether that's your government locking you down for 18 uh, months in a 24 month period you'll find other ways of doing things if it means enough to you so that's my advice to all of our listeners and anyone who you know, is having a little bit of hardship and there are going to be genuine hardships along the way. You are going to be tested. But something like the pandemic, you know, there were tons of people making money. There was more people picking up instruments and trying them out than ever before. Uh, there was more people buying musician and figuring out that it sucks, or at least it, it can be really frustrating. And now they need a real teacher. And all these people, they wave the white flag and said, oh, it's too hard. I can't do online. I can't do this. Teachers telling me that you can't teach online or use Zoom. It's like... <laughs> like uh, we were teaching teaching two hundred people a week, you know, with a laptop. <laughs> it was insane. crazy, insane,
1: and yeah. I mean, you're so right. There's it's all about positioning. So it's like you know, it's like what, why, why should you do music lessons during the pandemic? Oh well, you're at home. Uh, you know, you talk about RV sales. How RV sales, at least in the U.S., just absolutely boomed. Uh, You want to talk about boat sales, boat sales absolutely boomed because these companies were positioning it in a way where it's like, hey, you want to get out of your house? Why don't you buy a $50,000 boat or why don't you buy a $50,000 RV? And so people started doing it just because of the way that they were positioning the marketing.
0: That's it. And the people that have money always have money. Like the pandemics or things like that, unfortunately, they they hit the the lower class the poor class you know the the bottom half of the middle class a lot harder than they they do the rich people so if you're the kind of person that markets to the the mid to upper level of your local area there's always going to be clients for you and the other thing is most of the poor people uh, and I, I don't say poor as, uh, as putting anyone down but the people who aren't necessarily the best socioeconomic, they often make poor decisions with their money so if you have good marketing you can end up getting them as customers anyway so and if you're good at what you do and what you provide becomes a priority, it'll always be one of the last things that people let go. So when something truly means a lot to people, then it's going to be one of the last things they do. And the other thing is we were just giving away free lessons as a means of, hey, parents, would you like an hour to yourselves where we supervise your kids for you and keep keep them occupied? And, uh, for many parents, that was like, Oh my God, this one hour I don't have to deal with them. Is that worth the $99 a month this guy wants to, to pay me? So it almost, you know, we were doing lessons, but really sometimes we were doing, I've gotten the word for it. <laughs> we were babysitting people for an hour and giving their parents a little bit of oh. respite from the fact that, um, of how crazy things were. So yeah to many, if your lessons are cheaper than the daycare, or sometimes I say this for the adult students, like if you, as a guitar teacher, are less than a therapist, <laughs> and you just talk to people and ask them questions, then, you know, there's been students I've had for like three years and we barely even touch the guitar in their lessons because they just want someone to talk to. Now, if your agenda is, I just want to make this person a good guitar player, then you're going to be like pulling your own hairs out because of you're not getting <laughs> done what you want to get done. And you'll be miserable in that lesson. But if you can realize that, hey, this student's not really here for guitar; they just want someone to talk to, and you make it a bit more of a talky lesson, and you you don't go there with the expectation of or an outcome in mind, then that student gets everything they need, and they'll keep coming back next week.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and that's right. I mean, that's at our core. So, like, what our our um our number on our mission statement, you know, or our, our value statements, our number one thing says: mentor and love kids first, teach music second. And so it's like, if we do the mentor and loving the kids well thing, well, then the, the music teaching aspect or the the any the dance teaching aspect of it is it'll just come if like, because what's going to happen is kids are going to look at you and they're going to go, oh, well, I came here to hang out with a cool adult for 30, 45 minutes. And the byproduct I get is I get to learn how to guitar and what, play guitar. And well. I guess, you know, if I'm playing if I'm playing guitar, well, that that's a great benefit to me, too. But it's not necessarily the like what our core offering is. Our core offering is to mentor and love kids well.
0: Yeah, that's such an amazing core offering. And it's so different to I teach piano or I teach guitar or <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really really amazing stuff. And I, I was going to ask you another question earlier, but it's just like. When you give answers like that about this is our mission statement, so much of your decision making just diverts back to what's the mission statement or what are we trying to achieve here? And so it becomes a little uh, North Star to say, help you with your decision making and things like that. But Nick, I do want to ask you just quickly, because this will segue into the next question. Are you actively teaching at this point in time or have you just taken more of a managerial role?
1: Oh, man. Great question. So I, as far as teaching goes for me, I am on the, what I call the decline of this. Uh, Um, so I essentially, I'm, uh, you want to talk about mentoring and loving kids? Well, uh, I have three kids who I still teach who have been with me for for forever. And because of that, one, uh, my wife and I, and you know, our team, we've had so many discussions around this. We have decided that the best thing for me to do is to love these kids and be with them until they decide they're done. So on Wednesdays, I go in and I teach one kid a 30-minute lesson. And on Tuesdays, I go in and I teach two kids, they're back-to-back at least, two 30-minute lessons. And that's it. And it's just because they've been with me for so long. And, you know, going back to the North Star, it's like, well, if this is what we say we're about, well, then I should probably stick it out with these kids until they decide either A, I don't want to do this anymore, or they graduate and go get jobs and all that sort of stuff. But uh, so, yeah, technically, I teach 90 minutes a week. Yeah. And what are you, or how did you come about transitioning
0: out of teaching or making the decision that my time is better spent elsewhere? And how have you sort of navigated hiring people, replacing yourself, and managing a team, or well, not just a team, but even two locations? Because I can imagine if you double the amount of schools you got, you potentially double the amount of staff you have as well. And hopefully not doubling the amount of headaches that goes with it.
1: No, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So as, as we transitioned out, it was not a, an easy process. You know, there's lots of things that I have learned along the way and I'm still continuing to learn. It's that idea that we go back to our origin story where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, and that's okay. As long as when I wake up tomorrow morning, I do the thing that I tried to do yesterday better than I did it yesterday, and as long as I do that, just growth, 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 growth. You talked about Alex Hormozzi. Uh, he uh, he has a oh shoot, I can't remember the the <laughs> quote now, but it's this idea that like um, that like w- that learning is not IQ. Learning is doing something, and then the next day not you know, is improving upon it or not doing, making the same mistake as you did the day before that. So like, that's the idea that I want to be uh, moving towards. So, you know, when we, when I transitioned out of this role at, at, ultimately it got to the point where I was looking at everything that I was doing. and I was like, I, I don't have the mental capacity to be able to, to do this. And that idea of like, you know, the, the, the oxygen mask, it's when it comes down, who does it go on first? Well, it goes on you first and then you put it on your kid. And so what I was doing is I was taking that oxygen mask and I was putting it on everybody else. And I was like, okay, you guys are all taken care of. You guys are all taken care of until I started feeling some burnout. And so Uh, When that burnout starts to hit, that's when we find somebody who comes in and is able to, you know, I'm able to put that oxygen mask on me. So it started by, you know, hiring an admin person, as many people do, right? And then we hired that admin person and they, uh, and then it hired another admin person. And then it turned into, um, well, let's hire somebody who manages the admin people. And so we hired somebody who manages the admin people. And then we were looking at all the teachers and I, I'm going, ah, man, I used to have all this time to dedicate to connecting with you guys, but now I don't have that time. So then we're like, well, what can we do to solve this? Well, Let's hire a um, a music lesson department lead. And so we hired a guy who then manages all of our teachers. So now we have somebody who manages our admin staff, somebody who manages our teachers. And then we did the exact same thing for our um, for our dance program. So now we have a dance manager who then manages the dance teacher. And ultimately, the, the spot that we're in now is that. I'm realizing that I'm not like my my core love is marketing. And I've been so much uh, ingrained in the organizational stuff that I haven't had time to dedicate to that. So then we just hired back in February uh, her role. She's the vice president of operations and H.R. So now she oversees all of the department leads. So she is in charge of the music lesson department lead and the dance department lead and the admin department lead. And, and then my job is to just report, she reports directly to me. So what we've done is we've just found the holes and like, we're, we're analyzing and asking questions all the time. It's like, what do we need right now? What's not, what's working well, uh, what's not working well. And, uh, so, and what should we keep doing? And so a lot of these, you know, these hires have been formed out of this idea of like, well, what's not working well? Well, Nick, you're not able to spend a lot of time working with all the music teachers right now, and they're bumming about that because they used to be able to connect with you, and now they're finding it hard to to find time to uh you know to to ask you questions or to you know to do these different things. And so we're like, oh, great. Well, then let's hire somebody who can do that because I don't have the capacity to do that right now. um and so and within all of that hiring, What we've done is we've used just tons of different resources and I've read books on hiring and it's like, you know, we, so for the longest time now, we, we were like, we were using the same hiring docs that I built from a long time ago. And now our music department lead is like, Hey, these are not working anymore. We need to revamp this entire thing. So we just revamped our entire hiring process because we're like, it's not working anymore the way that we have originally created. So let's fix it. And so uh, that's ultimately what business is, right? It's, uh, it's getting problems, finding solutions, getting problems, finding solutions. <laughs> and it is just this vicious cycle um, that never ends. But the best news within all of that is it's not just business. That's life. Life as a whole is like problem comes our way. We solve it. We're good. New problem comes our way, we solve it, we're good. And so it's business, it's life, it's everything. We just have to find a way to incorporate it all into what we're doing, um, you know, and, and have the, the capacity to be able to see the growth within all that.
0: That's some amazing stuff. And I feel like we need just a whole episode to dive into what you've just said <laughs> and really <laughs> unpack that because it's, and it seems like a simple explanation, but I know that's something which you've done over the last, uh, you know, five to seven years as part of your journey. But Nick, unfortunately, we are coming to the end here. So my last question to you today is, could you impart one final piece of wisdom upon our guitar teachers listening at home or our music teachers? If you could give one last bit of advice or wisdom or story, what would that be?
1: Oh, man. Yeah. You know, uh, honestly, I mean, if we want to if we want to go back to at the core of everything that we've done is it's establish your mission. It's your wise statement. And then establish your values, establish your principles, find problems, and solve them. And if you do those things over and over and over again, you're going to attract the right clients. You're going to improve your experience for your clients. You're going to improve your experience for your staff. And you are going to do better things for kids and the community around you.
0: Another mic drop moment.
1: Nick, last little question. Where can
0: our our listeners find you online or connect with you or get in touch?
1: Yes. So I am on the Facebooks uh, and Instagram. I think my, I, I always forget what my my uh, Facebook hyperlink sort of thing is, um, but you can, I think that we can uh, put something in the show notes with my my Facebook link and my Instagram stuff and uh, reach out to me, shoot me a direct message. I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to hear more about your story. Um, you know, as much as I talk about building community where I'm at, I do believe community is a global thing. And so right now, Michael, you and I are building community. And so I love the idea of being able to connect with um. Music teachers and musicians and studio owners, whether solo or or music school owners, uh, around the globe, and be able to uh, to connect with them and learn with them and uh, and and teach.
0: Fantastic! Well, guys, he didn't want to give us his Twitter handle. We'll make sure we link that below. But if you do go to Facebook or Instagram and you type in uh, Nick Tucker, the most attractive option is probably going to be the man I'm looking at right now. Oh yeah. You you probably have the right one. (laughs) (laughs) It's very very important to have that uh, little message of community and creating a global teaching community because literally we can do that these days. And traditionally I think musicians have always felt threatened by other musicians and often carries into being music school owners. I remember doing local shows and, you know, the rival band was, oh, look at those guys. I think they're so good or like, don't talk to them. They're the other band. And then, uh, you know, I jerryed on really good that if our biggest rival band would play to show with us rather than us to play to 100 people and then play to 100 people on the same night, we could play to 300 people combined together. So <laughs> that same power of collaboration works just as well with music school owners and other guitar teachers and whatever you teach around the world. And we might even let some dance teachers in now that we uh, know there's a market for that as well. But Nick... On behalf of the Top Music community and all of our listeners, thank you so much for coming onto the show. And I reckon we definitely got to have you back in a couple of months to dive a little bit deep in all the wonderful things you just touched on today.
1: Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to chat with you.
0: All right. Nick, thank you so much. And to our listeners, we'll see you in the next episode. If you like this, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you're watching. We'll have links to Nick's stuff in the show notes wherever you're listening or watching. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye for now. Hey there, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. If you have any questions about anything we discussed on the podcast, reach out to me at michael at topmusic.co via email. If you want a guest on the show because you're doing some wonderful things in the teaching space, I would love to hear from you. Or if you've got any suggestions for guests or topics we can discuss, as always, you know where to find me. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is our Top Music Guitar Teaching membership. We have over a thousand members of Top Music and that is a huge community of people that you can connect with online, share wonderful teaching tips and of course network with. We've also got over 20 courses for music teachers, 12 special ones for guitar on every topic imaginable from group teaching, private teaching, how to find more students, how to build websites, everything you could possibly want to need to know about teaching, building a business and getting more students is covered. And you get access to all of this for $49, probably less than what you charge for a one hour private lesson every single month. So don't miss out on this awesome opportunity. Visit our website, www.topmusicguitar.com and join us in the membership. Thank you so much and we'll see you
1: next week.